Don't wait till your deathbed to realize that you're dying. This is about humans dreaming together. About humans supporting each other on our journeys. It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life. The young and the curious. The dreamers and the doers. To those who crave to be a strong individual. And want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. Hello, my fellow dream chasers, entrepreneurs, big thinkers, and those who are on the pursuit to be the best version of themselves. Welcome back to the Dreamology Podcast. This is your host, Tim Bishop. And on this show, we are breaking down the elements of the dream life and how do we make it a reality. And my deepest, deepest desire is to give you daily tools towards making your life a little bit better each and every single day. The journey can be hard. The journey can be long. There's a lot of ups and downs as we have seen from 2020. And so I hope that you get something from this. And I am so glad and grateful that you are here today. And it's actually a very, very special episode. So I actually recorded this back in January and I've been sitting on it and it popped into my head and I was like, this is exactly what the world needs right now. The guest is Dylan Ali and he is a self-love advocate, a mindfulness advocate, a self-awareness advocate. And he's someone who is just really pushing towards uh, a world that is more healed, a world that is more whole, a world that is more connected to themselves. And I felt in my heart that this is what the world needed right now. And so I decided to share this conversation with you. This conversation is actually quite interesting. The reason why I say that is because we did not plan to do a podcast interview for this conversation. I was literally at my gym back when gyms were open. This was in January. I was at my gym and we set up a a call to get to know each other. He's from Milwaukee. And he said, hit record. We're going to record this conversation. And it was so organic. This is literally an organic conversation, a look inside my life. And we went back and forth and we asked each other about life. One 23-year-old and another man who was 46 years old, 25 years in corporate sales. He went from making over $300,000 a year in sales, but still not feeling like he was fully himself. He didn't understand himself. And so he decided to quit and go on his own entrepreneurial journey and self-awareness journey and journey of spreading self-love into the world. And so it's really incredible. And so you're going to hear some background noises. I think I've said this before on a past show, too. If you guys listen to what I did outside where there was airplanes flying overhead, look, it doesn't matter. The extra noise, there's people clanging weights in the background, whatever, block that out. Listen to what Dylan is saying. He shared some amazing stuff with me and he asked me some really hard questions like, who am I? And do I love myself? And questions that really had me thinking. And to this day, uh, we were, I still think about the things he's told me. And this conversation was four or five months ago. And since then, we've had multiple conversations about it. And so I'm so excited to finally share this with you, give you an insight into this conversation and to this self-love advocate, Dylan Ali. And so it's going to jump straight into a story. Uh, Dylan's going to start talking about, I asked him, after 25 years, what was it like to quit corporate America and start your own thing? And his answer blew my mind, and we're going to jump right into that right now. All right. So that story actually starts off as a short, fat, brown, poor little boy coming to the U.S. in 1981, <clears throat> right? And so my first class trip was 
um, was second grade PS119. My first class trip was the Bronx Zoo. And at the Bronx Zoo, you know, I'm eight, nine years old, and all the other kids are eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? And I've got some ethnic food, some traditional food from back home because I'm literally fucking fresh off the boat, right? Mm. And we, my family doesn't even know what peanut butter and jelly is at this point. So I'm eating like curry. Where are you from? Trinidad. Okay. Yeah. So I'm eating curry, which is green. And for lack of better terms, it literally looks like a brown diaper. And when you bite into it, it looks like you've been into a brown diaper, right? <laughs> so all the kids started making fun of me. And so I tossed it. And the reason I tell you this story is because, you know, when I was at, when I was 26, all I wanted to do, or even 22, was fit in. And that was derived from the subconscious episode that I had back then of not feeling worthy, not feeling welcome, not feeling enough, not, mm. not feeling confident in who I am. And I end up throwing that sandwich away that day, right? And went hungry while all the other kids ate their peanut butter and jelly and bologna sandwiches. So for all of those years, you know, and even up until, you know, 46, up until about two years ago, um, I've literally been living that life of peanut butter and jelly. Like I had the job, I had the W-2, I had the cars, I had the clothes, I had the, the wife in the white picket fence, right? Because I was so desperately trying to fit in and I was trying to be something other than that short, fat, poor, brown little boy, right? Yeah. I remember even like um, having my accent and the, the accent in Trinidad is kind of like, um, like Jamaican, if you will. It's a very gotcha. broken English, right? Gotcha. So when you say the or three, I would say the or tree. I wouldn't pronounce the, the, the TH, right? So right. again, I'm in school, maybe second or third grade at this point, and I can't pronounce my THs. So I say one, two, three, right? Instead of one, two, three, all the kids make fun of me. The teacher even makes fun of me. So guess what? The thing that I'm really good at today is having a voice. The thing that I really, really was ashamed of was my voice. So for all those years at that young age, because of that subconscious development, you know, I wanted to fit in. I felt like I didn't have a voice. I felt like I didn't belong. So for me, it was latching onto the avatar. Um, you've probably seen the movie Wall Street, but there was an original that was back from like the 80s or 90s, right? And it's Michael Douglas. And Michael Douglas, the actor, is like, you know, power suit, power tie, power broker type dude, right? And I remember seeing that avatar and I was like, that's what I want to be. And so I literally set out to be that. So much like you at 22, right? 23. You, know, you 23, um, you have an idea of what you want it to be. And that's probably based on your experiences, your own backgrounds, even some of your own trauma, mm -hmm. right? My trauma led to me wanting to like fit in, but not only fit in, but fit in and like be the leader and be the head of the pack because I was so used to being at the bottom of the barrel. Like I wanted to shine. Right. So that was enough to drive me literally starting my starting my selling career off at a $1,500 a month draw, which means if I don't sell $1,500 worth of commissions, I still get paid $1,500 worth of commissions. But then the next month I start off with that much in the hole. So I got to sell enough to cover my draw. Then I get paid. Makes sense. Yep. Right. So I literally started off my first sales job at that. Um, I ended my sales career at a $250,000 on target salary 
And my best year was my second to last year that I was in corporate was $315,000. So I climbed a mountain, I made it right. right through that journey. A lot of those traumas get, got fed, right? So a lot of along the way, you know, people told me that I didn't look like a corporate guy, right? Um, I'd walk into a room and I would not be the avatar for the sales team, right? Um, blah, blah, blah. And so those insecurities just kept me from playing small, but I still always found success. Again, if you measure it monetarily, successful career, right? Right. Um, you know, I had the respect, I had the admiration, um, but I also had the fears and insecurities. And so fast forward to two years ago, I was in this place where, you know, again, I'd hit that 315, um, which was actually enough to put me in the 1% in Wisconsin. Cause I measured, I measured that shit at that point. Right. right. And I had this goal. I had this goal of getting to the 1% overall. Right. And so for me, I had always been in, into the mindset game. For example, at your age, I was literally rolling around listening to Tony Robbins cassette tapes on the way to work on the way back. Right. Yeah. You probably listen to podcasts today. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Tony Robbins podcast still though. <laughs> or whatever. Right. Or yeah. whatever. So I'm listening to little like Walkman tapes. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I've always been in that mindset mode and I wanted to go deeper and find more success. So I wanted that thing that would get me to that from that like 2% to the 1%, right? And through that, um, I literally just found my way from here into here. And so the last two, two and a half years, I've been on this really deep journey of just understanding like, who is in the driver's seat here, right? Right. Um, and as I was able to go through and heal a lot of those emotional um, traumas, for example, the story of the curry at the Bronx Zoo kept me playing small, wanted me to blend in with everyone else, wanted me to live a life of peanut butter and jelly. But because I was able to go through and now look at that eight-year-old boy in that situation through the eyes of a 40-something-year-old man, now I take away that, you know what? Fuck peanut butter and jelly. It's way much better to live a life full with Caribbean spices and flair. Like it hurts going yeah, sure. and it hurts coming out. That's experience, right? Yeah. That's experiment and that's life. Yeah. And so as I started to understand who I am and let go of those emotional anchors, it allowed me to really step into my voice. It allowed yeah. me to step into my confidence. It allowed me to step into my worthiness, my ability to be enough and recognizing that, hey, Throughout that career fear, like I told you, I've been able to build this. It gave me the courage to say, imagine what I can build coming out of that energy of love. Mm, like yeah. fear brought me to the 1%. Love is going to bring me to the 0.1% if we have to measure, right? Yeah. And so it wasn't about the money. It was about the expression of me, right? So the last couple of years, I've grown out the beard. I added the earrings. I, you know, I used to always keep my tattoos at my sleeve, right? I started creeping out on my forearms. I went to my hands and it's simply just an expression of me. So yeah. just like I can go jump in the Corvette, pull the top off and have a beautiful cruise on a sunshiny day. I can go jump in the FJ cruiser on a shitty day and get through any snow, any rain, any whatever. And all I did was change the vehicle, but the driver stayed the same. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I literally learned to, change vehicles. I understood that the driver is not the vehicle. And for all those years in corporate, the driver and the vehicle were the same because I changed the way that I look. I started wearing the cookie cutter and Navy suit with the brown shoes. 
I would fucking get lost in the sea of navy suit, navy suits and brown shoes, right? Yeah. And so that was like only that was me recognizing that there was this, and this was the only vehicle that I had. Mm. So now that I recognize that this is a vehicle, and it's the one that I choose to be in most of the time, right? Yeah. I can also access other vehicles through this and through this. And yeah. so through that spiritual journey of being able to uncover those pieces and really understand who I am. And even things like, you know, astrology and all those different bits and pieces, like really just truly knowing me, um, that gave me the confidence to go, this was cool. And I really loved it. And corporate has given me just an amazing life, but it's not about you. It's about me. Right. So it's not that I don't love you. It's that I love me more. Yeah. And like Monday morning, I took my kid to school and it was the first Monday morning that I wasn't strapped to my phone for a conference call while I'm dropping them off. That feels good, right? Yeah. So for me, I just literally learned to just put my feelings ahead of my thinking, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So now I act, of a, I act out of a place that's complete love and I let my heart lead and I let my feelings lead and then I think afterwards. And we are taught, don't think, you know, don't wear emotions on your sleeves. Don't get emotional about it. Think about it. And my philosophy is exactly different. I feel about it, and then I think about it for the first time. Interesting. Right? Interesting. And I had, a, I, had a, I had a plan of leaving corporate at some point this year, especially when I started feeling momentum from LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and I literally came into the beginning of the year with no anticipation of it happening anytime soon. And January 13th is when I heard, I heard it and felt it. And literally by like the 20th or something like that, um, I turned in my notice. I had two weeks and February 5th was my last day in corporate. No way, man. That was like, yeah. what, like seven that. days ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, February man. 5th was like, I made the decision. I remember even just coming home and sitting with my wife and talking to her about it. And she had just like, oh shit, look on her face, right? Yeah. But I asked her one question. I was like, do you support me? And she's like, absolutely. And we talked through the rest of it because there's some stuff, emotional stuff and things, right? But it literally just went so smooth. Um, and even in corporate, you know, the typical is, um, especially the environment that I was in right now, we're in an OPEX crunch, right? We're closing out the quarter. And very typical in corporate, like when you're leaving, um, as long as it takes HR and IT to turn your stuff off, that's about how long you got, which is typically 24, 48 hours. Mm. Dude, no joke. My work laptop is sitting over there right now. I probably can go fired up and I probably still have access to everything. Like I had a couple of conversations with directors and executive directors and some leadership and then it just fizzled. Like I literally just kind of started unplugging from the business and literally for the last week, I was just a ghost and still getting paid. As a matter of fact, I might still be getting paid right now. I don't know. <laughs> but it all worked out in such sync, man, because I led with this. Because yeah. had this shown up and I, you know, I parked the emotion and went with the thinking, right now you and I would not be talking because I'd be at some meeting or on some conference call or something. Right. But because I listened to this, it's now opened up this brand new world. And here I am back in the infancy stages, yeah. right? I know business, I know strategy, I know all of that. But I'm in the infancy stages of a brand new world. And so I'm literally back to crawling. And I'm okay with that. I'm enjoying that. As a matter of fact, I forgot how cool it is to crawl. Hmm. Wow. 
man, that's, I was going to ask you that too, like that instant transition of like going from the, that world and that understanding of like, I'm chasing this 1%, I'm chasing being led out of fear. I feel like there's a, I don't want to speak for the population, but it seems like uh, my intuition is telling me that people are afraid to step into that authentic self due to the fact that they know in that first, the, the first chunk is going to be like very difficult to start to navigate the waters of like, what do you want to lead with? Who am I? And what are these? Gosh. Like, what was that? I mean, I'm so curious on that. And the idea of starting a new, right? Like I literally this morning was just re-listening to Lewis Howe's Kobe Bryant podcast interview. And Kobe was like the hardest part for athletes is that their career is over and now it's just time to start anew and they're terrified. So I'm, I want to get like, you can ask me a question in a sec, but I want to get the insight of like, when you knew it was time to change what you were leading with. So for a lot of people that could be like, whatever, like the next position, the corporate ladder they're climbing or whatever thing they've been rooted in, like in your case, from a very young age, just make the choice to decide to make a new path. And there's gotta be a lot of like uncertainty in there. Can you just give me a little insight in like the, what your emotions were, were, were going like in that first yeah. phase of like, Oh shit. All right, here we go. We got to start yeah, something. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, so the last couple of years, like I said, I I've gone on this journey of internal. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll even share with you when I made the decision, when I felt that thing, and I knew I was going through the process. Like I knew what the answer was. Like my soul knew what the answer was. And it's just a matter of our minds catching up. Right. Mm -hmm. So the discord that you and I ever feel or any resistance that we ever feel is simply the disconnection between our soul and our, what I'm going to refer to as ego, not mine. The ego wants recognition. The ego wants um, significance. The ego wants um, separation. Mm -hmm. The soul wants everyone together the soul wants oneness right so i'll use the thing um you talked about athletes retiring and that's always a hard transition because this is a thing that they've been for x amount of years right the transition for me was super easy and super seamless and i you know with just a little bit of fear coming up and just using some tools to to quiet them which i think is natural is is okay because that just means that there's shadows and there are unresolved traumas that I have to work through, right? But for me, the last two years have been so much transitioning away from the identity of badass salesman or even father or husband, right? Or whoever. And so what I've recognized is that father, husband, badass salesman, those are all roles that I play. So hitting my quota, making a couple hundred grand a year is not my identity right? The clothes I wear, the kind of car that I drive is not my identity. It's not who I am. I'm still the driver behind it. So I've gotten to know the driver. So in the example of the athletes that retire that have a hard time with the transition because they've lived that life and that has become their identity. That has become like, that's it. Like without basketball, Kobe wouldn't be that Kobe that we all know, right? Or whoever. And so for me, what I've recognized is that instead of like, you know, chasing that avatar of power suit, power tie and becoming that, what I've recognized is that was just an avatar that I created. Now you talk about the transitions. We all create avatars. Zero to seven, our subconscious is being developed. Then from seven or eight, you know, up until, you know, 
15, 16, 17, 18, somewhere around there. We're comparing those rules and beliefs that we develop in the subconscious. Like if mom and dad argued about money, we have a belief about money. Then we compare those rules and beliefs to all of our friends and our teachers and our peers. And then we get into college and we get into work and our bosses and everyone else. And what we end up doing is we create these avatars or these characters that are based on protecting our insecurities. And these insecurities are the ones that lead us down the roads of, you know, maybe because, um, you know, because I, I felt like I didn't have a voice. I worked on my voice and I became a salesperson and I used my voice to make money. But because I still had that deep rooted subconscious trauma about my voice, it was like, get away, but come closer. What I call living with the bitch on the beach, right? Because for some people, life's a beach and life's a bitch. And so I knew how to like get shit, but I was like, come close, but I was still pushing it away. So even though my voice was a strength, it was still something that kept me from being who I am, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. Right. And so letting go of all those throughout the last couple of years made this transition. When I heard it and felt it, I knew. I don't believe anymore and I don't think anymore. I know. And so having that knowing that I'm always provided for, I'm always supported, I'm always taken care of, my needs are always met, all I need to do is walk by faith, not by sight, right? And I'm not religious, right? Um, but I have a better understanding of the Bible today than I ever have in my entire life. Walking by faith, not by sight, excuse me, but there's not a fucking Christian alive that can outwalk me. Because I believe and I know, I believe for so long that it's become a knowing, right? Mm. And so for me, I know that walking my faith is going to be the way that I succeed. Now I just set the intention behind it. I let go of the expectation. It comes to me. So for me, that transition was very different. And again, remember, it's about the energy that I put. Because now think about it this way. If I make this transition in a state of fear, what am I going to attract? More fear. If I entered a state and now I'm talking to you as a potential client and I'm like coming from a state of fear, but I'm saying all the right things. Well, guess what? My energy travels faster than my words or thoughts. So the energy of fear is what you're going to receive and it's what you're going to give back. Yeah. Well, I know that making this move, it was about removing the resistance. I knew what the vision was and I know what the vision is now. It's simply removing the resistance. And the only reason that I'm not, a hundred thousand dollar a month coach or speaker right now like in month one is because i have resistance from here to there and it's up to me through life through situations mm. to let those shadows and let those bits of pieces of resistance come up and then it's up to me to internalize them work through them dissolve them and it just brings that vision one step closer yeah. and when i when i when i can really articulate and realize the vision wow that's cool. I'll make one final comment and I'll let you yeah, yeah, yeah. fire back on me. But it's actually funny because this morning I was meditating and you kept popping in my head because I was like, all right, you challenged me to 30 days of content. And then instantly I was like, what do I want to talk about? And somebody else had commented on my post too, who said, I challenged you to talk about things that you've experienced that you've failed or lessons you've learned through your experiences already and to bring those up. And one of the things I was thinking a lot about was like what you tie your identity to. Because when I graduated, that was really hard for me because I always tied my identity to like being a student, being the student who was like a little bit different and thought a lot about life. 
um, being one of, I mean, the popular kids, like, honestly, I was like, I had a lot of social influence in high school and at, and at college. So you leave school and you, you lose, for me, I lost all those labels and all of a sudden I was left with rawness. So then people are asking me, so what do you do now? Right. And I'm thinking that my identity is shaped in that question. Well, what I do is a complicated question right now. So I'm like, well, I run a podcast and I'm helping my brother with the video business. And I, but I also have like all these plans. So in my head, I have this elaborate vision. And I felt the need to try to explain that, that 25-year vision to people so I could feel whole about myself. And once I started realizing that was like the stupidest bullshit I could have ever done, that's when I was like, oh, I'm just me. And like people, people don't care what my 25-year vision is. They do, but that doesn't make me not me. And so hearing you talk about that, what you tie your identity to, like that's been such a huge part of my life. And I was thinking about it literally this morning. That's good. So here's my question to you. Who is Tim Bishop? Who are you? That's a great question. I'll give a stab at it. Um, I think I am somebody who, and I'll, I'll start with my values that I have listed out just as a, as a base for this, but the things that I value most in life, my five values right now are purpose, community, health, exploration, and impact. And those things could change. And those are also just words. But for me, I think that I tie a lot of the things that I do, honestly, to the fact that I feel like I have a need to be the best version of myself to, so I can give as much as I possibly can to the world. And I, I think that's rooted out of just like a genuine caring and love for other humans. Like I was given a certain scenario. I grew up in a very good family. I don't have student loans. I believe I have some innate gifts like human connection and speaking and asking thoughtful questions and the ability to tell stories in a thoughtful way that I hope to keep to keep on building. And I feel like I'm somebody who, once I acknowledge that something is right for me or that something makes sense or that I find a purpose or a skill, that I'm someone who goes all out for that 100%, not just for myself, but the people around me. And that's why I'm doing everything I do right now. That's why, like for me, everything in my life and in my professional career related right now, like everything I do in my life ties into my professional career. Everything my professional career ties into my life. Like I don't view this as a business connection. I view this as like we're humans and we're, we're forming a friendship right now. When I, I'm experimenting with, with getting up at 5 a.m. And, and working out and meditating and doing all the best parts of my day in the morning, so I can be a better human and so I can communicate what I learned to other humans and to help them do it. So it's like I'm viewing my life as almost a segment of challenges, not for the goal of an end result, but for the goal of like, what do I learn through this? I've been trying like a plant-based diet. I've been, I tried like doing a month of like sobriety. It's a month of zero alcohol, not even like a beer or a glass of wine or anything like that. And I'm going to continue to try these things. I'm trying exploring with like intentional community and like shared living. So all these things are just rooted out of the fact that I think I have a genuine curiosity for how can I go about living my life in the best way possible. And then just like what lessons can I impart on others? And I, 
again, there's something deep inside of me that has this strong desire to just connect with humans and to just help them through their experience on earth. And that was like the reason why the podcast started because last September when I said, I'm not going to apply for any jobs, I'm going to figure out why I'm here. I'm going to figure out what I like to do. I'm going to just fully embrace that journey without expecting the result to come today, tomorrow, in a month, in a year. And the more I've done that, the more I've realized just like how many beautiful things are on earth and how I want to soak up as much as I possibly can to the point where I could be asked at any day, like if you die tomorrow, would you have any regrets? And I could say, nope, I did, I did all of it. So that wasn't a one sentence beautiful marketing answer, but I think that's a big part of, of who I am, all those things I just talked about. And just the pursuit of, of being the best human you can be and helping others do the same and just having that come straight from the heart. I love it. I absolutely love it. You have a better sense of who you are than uh, probably 99% of the people, um, <clears throat> which I absolutely love. And it's a very, very great place for you to be. Um, tell me about the uh, experimentation because I, I, I have this, uh, it may turn into a marketing thing at some point, but you know, I believe in the three E's, right? Experiment, expansion, um, I'm sorry, experiment, experience, and expansion. Because I think that we're here to experiment. And when we experiment, we create experiences and we allow it to expand. And we're simply here to expand, 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 right? Yeah. I, I really believe that, you know, number one, I don't know that we were born into this world. I think we were born of this world. Um, you know, in the Bible, it talks about... Uh, you know, man being made from the earth, God taking his rib, putting it, and then when man dies, we return to the earth. So if that story, if that fable is that we came from the earth, we return to the earth, right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, um, then we have come from the earth, right? And yeah. we've chosen to grow and we've chosen to be here. And just like a tree grows and grows and expands, I think we're here to grow and grow and expand, except most of us have been covered up with the lies and the programs that expansion comes in from the things that you can acquire. Yeah. What can I add, right? And for me, what I've learned is that expansion comes, comes along when you're able to release. Cool. So releasing the label of student, of you know, community, you know, community socialist or whatever the case is, right? Releasing all of those to allow in. I mean, if I've got this, we like to buy our milk from a farm. So if I have a bottle of milk and we get home, it's all shaken up. It sits in the refrigerator all night. When I wake up in the morning, all the cream is right, risen to the top. Take that first gulp and it's just cream and milk and it's delicious, right? So when you have those times of like morning meditation and stuff, that's like all the goodness in your soul coming up to the surface. Mm. And then when you live from that space, you're living in that true light of who you are. Yeah. Here's the thing. The game is not to ever not be mad or not be triggered, not be pissed off. It's like, you, you want to do that? Go live on the mountaintop. Yeah. But we can't live on the mountaintop, right? Because, well, I choose to not live on the mountaintop because I like fast cars. I like yummy food and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's not on the mountaintop. So I learned to literally just bring the Buddha to the people. And it's living from that space from here. So I absolutely love that you do that. 
Have yeah. you played around? I, I like that you experiment with like plant-based diets and different foods and different um, workouts and all that kind of stuff. And so like I've just been playing with the carnivore diet my, okay. myself this month. Actually, I did it in January um, and I'm extending it this month. Um, you know, I, again, I like to play. I like to understand my body. The better I know my body, um, the better I can, again, manage that energy and the better that I can engage with people. Right. For sure. But, you know, you were talking about that and I love those experiences. Um, we can definitely chat about that stuff. But the thing that I really liked is you honing in on just showing up at your best to serve others. And the common thread is serving others, serving others, serving others. So you're very tribal in nature. Yeah. Have you have you experimented or explored like um, in your meditations, even like past lives or anything like that? Uh, sorry, explain that what that is more. I don't think I have. Yeah. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, equals MC square, right? E, e equals MC square. So everything that I'm sitting in front of right now, even the screen and your image is all energy. And if we can agree that scientifically we are all vibrational frequencies, right? Um, that means we cannot be created nor destroyed. When this body, when this vehicle, vehicle deteriorates, the energy goes on. Um, you know, from a biblical standpoint, we call it the soul and we say the soul returns back to source, returns back to heaven. Right. Right. And so this energy, um, so then what happens to that soul and that energy, it can go to heaven, it can park, or there's some belief that that energy reincarnates. Right. And it's not in the form of, Oh, I'm going to come back as a roach. Right. It's literally since the beginning and end of time, since the beginning of time, which there is no beginning of time. So forever, this energy has just been recycled. And so if you've been recycled, you've had these different experiences. And so if you've had these different experiences and you were able to tap into those, right? Um, not out here, but in here and in here and bring some of those lessons and bring some of those pieces in, then you understand a little bit better about who you are, why, why you are the way that you are, right? Yeah. Remember I said that we, we, we drown out who we are by these characters that we create based on these insecurities. But when you remove those layers of that and find who you are and find out that you always have been and always will be, you can tap into those energies, right? And you can bring in bits and pieces of those lifetimes. So it sounds like you've been very tribal in nature, right? It sounds like you've been um, a protector, right? It sounds like you've been a provider. It sounds like you've also been like, you know, Maybe the town witch doctor, right? To bring everyone together to make sure everyone's team. And then you take things like, you know, like to bring all that together with your experimenting and, you know, with some of these attributes. Then you take in things like astrology and you figure out, like for me, Geminis are really good at juggling 10 balls at a time and making it look like it's easy, right? So for me, when I'm jumping from project to project and it looks like I'm chaotic, but I'm in flow. Yeah, I used to think because everyone around me would be like, dude, chill the fuck out. I used to think that I'm just losing it. But now that I recognize that, you know what, because of my chart, because of the planets and the stars, this is kind of how I'm made. Yeah. Well, I just go with it. Now I recognize it. Now I know when there's two, three projects coming on and I've got five things going at one time, one is always going to hit. Yeah. I know that I put the energy behind it and the ones that don't hit, I know they fizzle out. It's just my, my mode of operation. So for me, it helps me, like literally, if I can take the camera 
it helps me to show like this is normal right like this is just my normal because i've got to have my things to someone else it may look chaotic but to me i recognize it's just me operating at my state peak yeah so i love everything that you shared and i hope that you didn't mind the extra commentary on it <laughs> no i yeah i mean i think you hit it on the head the tribal in nature and i I like for me, like my family and my tribe and like my people are just insanely important to me. And I formed a group of friends who we all have like this shared interest in, in that. And one of the cool things that, so like you're, I don't, you're right. I mean, a lot of my meditation, actually parts of it is a lot of gratitude or, or, or pray for what started as how can I pray for somebody else? So it started with like, what am I grateful for? And a lot of times it's people like even this morning, I was like, I'm grateful I get to have a conversation with you today. Like it's, a lot of times it's people focused. Uh, and then from there I would do a thing where it was like, kind of like, how can I send energy or pray for three people? But I decided actually that that wasn't enough for me. Cause I was like, well, it's great that I prayed for like my friend who's not feeling good, but like, what am I doing to help him? Who's not like, or what am I doing to like tell him that, Hey, I'm thinking about you. So now I don't do it every day, but now I try to expand that and say, okay, I thought of my friend, I just want to like let him know I thought about him. So grab the phone, send a voice memo like, hey, man, I'm thinking about you today. Uh, I know that you said that you're starting to like your work more. Uh, I'm pumped about that. Um, and if there's anything else you want to talk about, like just hit me up. And just like actually send it like because I think you can feel the energy, but actually like yeah. sending it to a different room and send a different where they can listen to that and just all of a sudden your energy is with them. Yeah. So that's that's been a cool to experiment with that and um there's one more thing you said that i love that i was going to comment on but i i got lost in my my train of thought mm -hmm. there so i i don't don't remember exactly what i was going to say but uh but yeah no i appreciate the, the comment back we'll see if the next other thought comes back it'll, it'll come it just yeah <laughs> here's a trick that i use literally no joke subconscious bring it back and i just continue on and later on it just literally comes back i literally tell my subconscious to bring it back yeah, it'll come. It'll come. Yeah, it'll come. The more you th here's here's the trick. <laughs> the more you think about it, the slower it'll come, right? Literally, the more you think about it, the slower it'll come. And I used to say, I used to say, well, it'll come when it needs to. But now I've learned that I am actually in control, and the reason that I'm in control is because I was willing to give up control. Hmm. So now I can say, because subconscious bring it back. It's like before I go to bed at night, if I'm just beat up from the day or the workout, and I've got a you know a five thirty workout tomorrow morning. If it's, you know, chest tries and buys the, the girl workout and I'm all sore, I literally say to my subconscious before I go to bed, subconscious, when I wake up in the morning, I need to be at 100%. Your job is to get me there. Good night. Mm. I wake up in the morning, I feel like a million bucks and ready to train. Like yep. we have so much control over this thing. It's insane. But 99, literally 99% of us walk around and this thing is controlling us. Yeah. Here's the scary shit. You ready? This is controlling this, right? But what's controlling this? Everything. Yes. <laughs> everything yes. else yes. external. Everything else externally. And so for me, that's why I say I go internally, right? Like when I made that decision, I think I was started to share this with you earlier and maybe I didn't, but uh, did I share with you that when I made that decision, I fasted for like 75 hours? No. So, I had the gut feeling and I sat with it, sat with it. And then maybe like within that next day, I was like, you know what? Um, 
I know that I'm not going to speak to my friends. I know I'm not going to look for external stuff um, or external validation or external input or opinions. I need to go within. So I literally mm. fasted for 75 hours and then I uh, ended it with a cold plunge. Nice. So I've also been playing with cold a lot lately. And I actually just found out that my gym has a cold plunge, a cold tub in the basement. Um, they have, this gym has like the best sauna ever. So now my morning routine is shifted in, and it's shifted more to hot and cold therapy. Mm. Um, and a little bit less time on the weights because my goals and my vision's a little different now, right? Right. So if you haven't played with cold, um, experiment with that, that's fun. Yeah. Lots of places to go jump in a lake in Minnesota, right? Yeah, there's a ton. Um, but for me, it was going within, right? It was going within, shutting down, getting quiet, not, not putting anything external because that food carries energy with it, right? Yeah. yeah. And just getting quiet, getting empty, and then taking that cold plunge, which any fear that was there would have come up. Yeah. So I know when I made that decision, final decision is from here, not from here. Yeah. And too many of us, we, we talk about mental health. We talk about mental toughness. We talk about mental discipline. It's always mental, 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 mental. But we forget that we're not in control of this. This is meant to pro TV programming. It's programming, right? Mm. Advertisement, politics, religion, all of it's programming. And again, remember back to that like 8 to 15 when yeah. we're comparing notes? But we're always comparing notes. And we're always jumping on the bandwagon. And if you look at you know, the psychology of humans, we all share the same basic needs, right? Mm. And that's what, you, you, you hit it, the need for tribal, right? So what is it, the need for autonomy, so the need to be, I'm in control, the need for relatedness, that tribal piece, so community, and the need to know how we're doing, mm. feedback, yeah. right? School, you get grades, work, you get a paycheck, you know how you're doing, right? Community, church, family, that's relatedness. Autonomy, though, we have that need for autonomy, and it's the reason we're all in discord is because we're making decisions that are not our own, and we're living by rules and beliefs that don't belong to us. Yeah. And so now we have this innate need for psychology, but that's why we're all walking around angry hmm. because we're doing shit we don't want to do. We're buying shit we don't want to buy, and we're, we're hanging around people we don't want to hang around. Yeah. And we think we're making that choice, but we're not. Our job is dictating the social economic class that we hang out with right like dude i was literally making like 200 and something grand a year like all my all my friends are like driving bmws living in 3500 square foot homes and lake homes and this and that and the other they're all hanging around drinking whiskey and cigars right on the golf course blah blah and one of my best and this was years ago and one of my best friends at the time dude was 35 years old Literally lived in a house with like three other dudes that were all college students. Didn't even have a car. Rode a bicycle everywhere. Right? But I was willing to step out because I even knew that that wasn't really me. Yeah. I knew that from a soul perspective, I was connecting with my guy, Rocky. And it didn't matter what he was on the outside. On paper, we shouldn't have been friends. Mm. Right? Yeah. But how many of us are not willing to do that? or not willing to be who we are. And that was even me fighting who I was back then. Yeah. And now understanding who I am today, I literally have friends that are company owners, C-level executives, but you know, guys that literally open a door at a hotel for people. Yeah. Right. Because we're all people. For and sure. it's back to that. Who am I? 
you know, you, you talked about the gratitude and that, you know, the gratitude and sending prayers for other, that sounds very Tony Robbins morning routine, right? Yeah. Um, that part framework, of it. Yep. It's a good that, part of that it, framework yeah. is really nice. And it's the, the power of threes, right? So you do it in threes. Um, and so I just lost my train of thought. What were we talking about before that? I just lost it. Before uh, I said Tony Robbins. Um, the gratitude morning routine, praying for others. Before that. Uh, you were talking about how you hang out with people because we're all humans. Yes, yes, yes. So again, it's it's back to that, like we're all the same. It's you know yeah. that morning routine. I love that morning routine that you talked about because I used to use that because again, imitation is always the first the first step to wisdom, right? Yeah. So I've used that Tony Robbins model, but you know what I found is that um, in the mornings, what I used to what I've added and I keep this today is I do that gratitude, I'd send the love, but then three questions I ask is, who am I? How do I want to show myself to the world? And how do I know my rules and my beliefs are my own? Mm. Who am I? Not a sales guy, not a father, not a husband. I'm a being of love and light. How do I choose to show myself to the world today? Do I choose to react to the world? Do I choose to respond to the world? Do I choose to proactively put myself in the world or react? And then how do I know my rules and my beliefs are my own, right? I mean, if you grew up in a household that was very connected but didn't have a lot of money and some of the dialogue was, you know, rich people don't care about poor people. Well, you can't cross 50, 60, 70 grand, 100 grand. You can't ever get to that next level. Well, it's because you have this subconscious block, but you also have this strong belief. And the strong belief is that you're connected, you love people, but the strong subconscious block is if I make a lot of people, I'm going to be an evil person. Mm. So see how that discord is now? Yeah. Now it depends. If the programming is stronger, this is going to win. But if your internal programming is stronger, this is going to win. Yeah. So it's literally being able to write your own code and rewire. Yeah. I, yeah. I love the, the imitation thing because it's so true. Like I when I first started doing or experimenting with the morning routine and, and that practice and you, you take it and then, and then you learn what, like, it's just like, there's so many brilliant minds out there. So yes. It's like, you're learning from them learning from them. And now it's like, okay, I like that. I like that. And then eventually over time you make it your own. And, and it was hilarious is when you were just talking, I thought about what I was going to say like 10 minutes ago, but it was, it was similar to what you we were just talking about, which was when you said, I, I thought I was, living a hectic, crazy life because people told me I was, but really it was just me being in flow. Yeah. And like comparing that to my own life right now too, where I'm doing something that's so different than 99% of the people my age. And oftentimes they'd be like, dude, you, get, you gotta like get out more. You gotta do this more. And, and I'll kind of like almost agree with them, like in the moment, like it'll be like, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right, you know? And then I'll think about it and I'll be like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like I. I'm, I'm having intentional conversation every day. I'm, I'm sticking true to my habits. I'm, I'm building the person I want to be. And, and so once I become more confident in that, then you can explode. Then you can be like, oh, this is actually how I like to behave. I'm living an ideal day out to my own desires. And just because they view it a certain way doesn't mean I have to change. And, and I want to share a quick tidbit about that because it was super fascinating to me. I, I, I don't know. I believe in like that the universe, well, if you're open to it, the universe does, it, it tells you things. You can learn from it. Absolutely. And, and whether you want to believe that's actually coming from a higher power or you just being self-reflective and understanding that you're being pushed in a certain way. But 
about a month ago, like one of my best friends and I had a conversation and it was very, very like a four hour, four or five hour conversation. Like it was, it was long. I have a, I have a, a poster of Kobe in my room. I've always had it. It says mob mentality. And I played basketball my whole life. Like my, my life was basketball. I was like two hours a day, the kid who was shooting. Like I remember one summer I literally did that. I shot for two hours every day. And that was just, just besides the, the training and this and that. And Turned out that I was, you know, a short white dude and wasn't probably not meant to play basketball, but like I gave him my all. Right. So Kobe was like, I mean, he was my, like a lot of people, my North Star. He was my, so my, but I, I was looking at that and for the first time ever, I was like, what does what greatness even mean? Like, like basketball players have this desire to be great. I want to be the best player ever. I want to, you hear that and, and then you start to actually think about it and you're like, well, what does greatness mean? What does what what is that even desire to say? I want to be the best player ever come from. Like, what's the root of this? And me and him d- broke that down for hours. Like, what is what does it mean? What does it mean? And then he dies. Kobe dies, and all of a sudden, the entire world is talking about this question. And I'm like, holy shit! So all of a sudden, I got a thousand answers to that question. People are posting videos about Kobe literally talking about what do I think greatness is. People are talking, posting videos about what do I think the mob mentality is. People are all giving their own take on it. And now I'm like, oh my God, as sad as this was, like literally in the interview, Kobe said, for me, greatness, he literally said greatness is leaving an impact on the next generation of people. So my actions inspired the next generation of people. And I'm literally like, his death was almost an affirmation of his greatness. It was leaving that impact and people around the world like me and then I took that and I said holy shit all right like I'm gonna be great not because not because like someday if I am a Tony Robbins like great but that's not what greatness is greatness is simply me having intentional consistent action me striving to be the best version of myself me giving it all my every day me being committed to being a learner and not and owning that and saying this is who I am I'm great because I'm me and just fucking doing it and so I was just like blown away like many people were when he died but on the self-reflection there and the like how did this just happen right after I had this conversation and now there's all these and so honestly since then I've geared up like 10 notches even since like the last three weeks I'm like this is I'm like I'm onto something here I got to keep going because the world's not going to do it for me. And people's opinions of what I do aren't going to do it for me. It's going to just all come right in the heart. And if I believe it, then I just got to keep doing it. It, uh, thank you for the share. Um, you know, you talk about greatness and of course, you know, with Colby passing and, um, him being so relevant today, it's a big topic, right? But when you look at other guys, Michael Jordan, right. Um, Dennis Rodman, yeah. You know, right? I mean, I and I'm not a big sports guy, but I think there might have been like a like a infidelity scandal with Kobe like years yeah. and years ago. And that's probably like the only thing that Kobe ever got dinged for, right? Like as a as right. far as you know, Kobe's kind of the poster boy, like right? Right, right. Okay. Yeah. But then you've got the the opposite in Rodman, who people either love him or hate him. Like he's got yeah. the fucking hair, he shows up in a wedding dress, he's got earrings. But to me, that's Rodman's, that's Rodman stepping into his greatness. Yeah. And so to me, I think, you know, 
I like when you talked about Kobe's definition of greatness and the other generations being inspired. But again, you know, to me, greatness is about like, you know, I think Rodman, like Rodman is like letting his freak flag fly. Like yeah. more about his self-expression and the basketball was a byproduct of his self-expression, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. I mean, he was so fucking good that people were willing to overlook all his crazy antics, right? Yeah. Like, I think there was one time, didn't he even, like, kick a camera in the, cameraman in the groin or something like that? Like, some he crazy was, Yeah, he was insane. <laughs> but, but he was so committed to his greatness, however yeah. delusional that was, that the basketball became a byproduct. So, to me, I almost yeah. believe that Kobe was so committed to his greatness of being a great person and giving and inspiring that the basketball was just a byproduct and the vehicle that put him in front of people. It was just a means to be. That's it. So to me, what it it ends up being is exactly what you just said. Greatness, I don't think can be measured externally. Um, You know, I think it was Rollo May. I heard this through Earl Nightingale, and I think he he attributed it to Rollo May that said, you know, success is is simply a progressive, what is it? It's, it's um, It's a progressive realization towards a worthy ideal. So the teacher, the gas, the guy that works the gas station counter, and he he said, when I grow up, I want to be a gas station attendant. Is he any less successful than the guy that grows up to be a doctor? Right? And so for me, I think that greatness comes to fulfilling that full potential and finding that expansion. Yeah. And through the experiment, like Kobe, through the experiment of playing basketball, he found his greatness because he got experience and he was able to expand. Yeah. And so I think that same greatness can come from video. It can come from selling. It can come from coaching. It can come from speaking. It's whatever it is. Yeah. I don't believe in competition. Even when I would walk into people's offices and I would see like someone from another company signed in like an hour before and the sales guys would be like, dude, fucking Dell EMC was just here, bro. He's like, oh shit. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Because guess what? None of them is this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. And that's it, right? Like, yeah. I know I show up, and I'm not going to be everyone's flavor. That's okay. Right. But I know if I show up and I, I'm doing me, and guess what? One day, me might be showing up, you know, with a fucking bottle of Jameson and a six-pack of Marlboro Lights. Yeah. Right? If that's the best I'm doing in that day, then I know I'm living in my true greatness. For sure. Because I think greatness is felt here, not recognized out here. Yeah. I mean, just the internal versus external debate, right? And how, like, even for someone like Kobe, like, was it, was it the external? Like, was it, and he answered that actually for himself when he talks about it, saying, like, the mob of mentality and the being the best basketball player in the world, like, it wasn't actually about getting number one. It wasn't actually about, like, beating Jordan. It was just, like, the internal pursuit of that. It was the the commitment to it. It was the, whatever his internal drives were. Like at the end of the day, he wasn't like, I was a failure because I, I'm not number one. He still like, acknowledged his greatness because he clearly gave, gave it all. Uh, quick, quick, quick question for you. Did he, did he beat Jordan's stats? Uh, he passed, passed him in like scoring, okay. scoring for points wise. Uh, he got five championships. Jordan had six. Okay. So in that category, you would say no. Um, Stats-wise, pretty similar, honestly. Jordan had more MVPs and more championships. So by a 
external uh, greatness recognition, I feel like people still put Jordan above Kobe. So you know what's funny is like, um, you know, when we talk about legacy, legacy is, you know, I, I just call it your name on a building after you die, right? <laughs> um, but when you look at that, I also believe in karma. And I also believe that we are all here for a mission. And by Kobe's passing now, before he actually superseded those numbers, could possibly be the situation that propelled him into the greatest of all time, even though the numbers were not there. Hmm. So for me, it's like, there's no judgment of self situation of others. That was just maybe for him, sad as it is, maybe his passing was the thing that is his greatness. Hmm. Right. Because what's to say that a year from now he wouldn't fuck up and that wouldn't be all thrown out the door. I'm not saying that that's the case. Right. But I also believe that, you know, we are all here paying a karmic debt. And so you being a complete asshole and me being a complete amazing, nice person, we're, we're literally playing out our karmic debt. And so for me to try to change you, right? Because I recognize how horrible your life is. Maybe your life isn't horrible or maybe it is, but you are, you're having the experience that you chose to have. And so maybe Colby's prescription or anyone else that we've lost that have really contributed to the world, maybe that was part of their prescription to greatness, right? Because Jordan, who will probably just, you know, fizzle out, in, like, like Muhammad Ali, fizzle out into the sunset, right? Died of old age. He, he's definitely still one of the best, right? But there are still some guys that we talk about. I mean, think about it. Tyson. If Tyson didn't go crazy, Tyson probably wouldn't have sealed the record books is like one of the baddest motherfuckers in boxing. Like I consider Tyson one of the greats. Yeah. I think Tyson would have demolished Ali. Um, and, and, you know, he's always been humble when that question ever came up. Right. And he always played it down. But I think that, so understanding and, and the framework that Cus used with Tyson and the way that he was able to reprogram his subconscious, I think Tyson would have just, decimated Ali and I think Tyson was just being nice by saying that right but I think that people wouldn't recognize Tyson's greatness unless he went crazy and lost that shit and actually I love Tyson even more now that he has a fucking 500 acre cannabis farm and yeah. he EMT and right. he's all found himself right yeah but he, had he not gone through that like he wouldn't be in this position now and I don't think his greatness is going to be tied to boxing. Yeah. I think his greatness is what he gives to the world now. Yeah. But so I think we all need to go through whatever that prescription is for life for us to recognize our greatness in one way or another. But if we're also meant to, for others to recognize our greatness in the public eye, then those typically play out much different as well, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's, let's, do, let's do one more question uh, each and then I feel like you're at... We could probably go on for hours, yeah, but man. I'm sure I don't want to steal up your entire day. Um, so I was, yeah, I just was like mentally flipping through a few options because I've obviously, again, we could talk for hours of what I could ask you. But I feel like I want to ask you that given the fact that we're talking a lot about legacy and greatness and and the, the topics of, of death and, and who are we and, and all these uh, very big topics. I would, I would want to ask you another big question to tie all that together, which would be 
God willing, if this, if this right now were to be the last conversation that you ever had with somebody on earth, what would be one thing that you would want to leave that people could listen to that would be like your, your gift, your parting, your parting message, your parting gift, your a story, uh, uh, a value, a uh, who am I? A- a- any of those things. What, what yeah. would what would that be? Don't wait till your deathbed to realize that you're dying. When you're born, the baby's scream is the first breath, the breath of life. When you're in your deathbed and you take that final grasp, that's your that's your final breath. The most important breath is your very next breath. It's the one that you're having right now. And so, you know, we're all in a race to death. We're all going to get there. We're all headed to the same place, right? So as soon as you recognize that you are dying, you can start living. And, and the way to me, the way to live is to be in the present moment, to be in this moment, this last hour was you and I, right? Not looking at phones, not doing this. The only distraction that I had, if it's a distraction, is me taking notes, right? And it's because my mind goes so fast when I hear something. Like, I used to want to just talk about it right away and cut you off and blah, blah, blah. Now I just write it and I just wait, right? So even that in its sense of being present and allowing you to be present, we get so much more. You know, you even said it. I was thinking about my answer right? As you were talking and I do it all the time. I'm very conscious of it. I'm very aware of it. And it is simply the speed and that's all the speed for what to get to death. So simply my last, my parting message would be slow down and live now because you can, you'll die tomorrow. That's a given because tomorrow will soon enough be today. So live today, worry about dying tomorrow. Beautiful, man. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Absolutely your biggest fear mm. i mean i cannot remember when i was 22 so mm. that was a, it was a long time so what does it feel like really let's take that back not not that like what does it feel like and i mean think about it dude when i was 22 i had a pager and when my when i wanted to do this you'd have to page me i had to find a payphone and i'd call you yeah and then after about three minutes i'd have to deposit more quarters in right so yeah. we're living in two two completely different worlds. And I've seen that world. So this world to me is super cool. But what is it like? What are the things that, that a 22-year-old today is fearful about? <laughs> oh, man. That's a really good question. I'm comparing those two. I, I think one of the fears, and ironically, comes from the amount of choice. It's, it's the paradox of choice, learn about it, marketing, people have probably heard about it, but it's the idea that in an ideal world, you think that you want more choice. In an ideal world, you think you want more convenience. In an ideal world, you think you want more of these certain things, but in the actual application of them, they become insanely overwhelming. And I think, I mean, again, they, you could look at the correlation between this kind of stuff and the mental health crisis and the amount of anxiety and depression and this and that, but it's like, a reason why it might be easier to just pick a path and stick with it or pick a pick something and go with it or see something and go with it is that people don't want to face that fear of 
sitting there and saying, okay, I actually can do whatever I want. Like that is a possibility. That's why being in my age is fantastic. And the, the, the age we're in and old, like one of the things I'm grateful for almost every day too, is like, I'm like, dude, you have all the information. There's so much information for how to be healthy, for how to treat your mind right, for how to treat your body right, for how to, how to treat others. Like there's so much information, but if you can't face the fear of that, the fear that to do that means you have to really dive deep into yourself and ask yourself, what do you really want? I think that might be one of the greatest fears. The Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like yes. we're covering it. Like we are not like the past generations because a lot of, not everyone, but I'm saying a lot of people have um, luxuries that were not available. So a lot of the base yes. needs of humans are being met. And I think that we're getting to the self-actualization stage and people are confused as fuck. They're like, I don't know who I am. I don't want to figure it out. It gives me a lot of anxiety to figure it out. Uh, there's all these options of what I can do with my life and I don't know how to do it. And I think the emphasis on the how is, is one of the issues because I, again, this is a Tony Robbins quote, but the, if you know why you want to do something, you can figure out the how. Yes. And so we're so, we're so focused on the, what do you do or what do you, yes. and it, it takes the conversation away from exploring inward instead of looking at all the options outward. Um, so I think one of the greatest fears mm -hmm. for humanities is actually facing the question or for people my age is facing the question of who am I facing the question of, of why do I do what I do facing the question of what's important to me and then actually having to go out and enact it because you see, I mean, again, no, another thing is that there's so much access to people's lives. I can watch yes. your life. I literally have watched your life the last couple of weeks and I don't yeah. even, not your life, but parts of your life. Right. That's, I've, you can, I can look at well, new girls dude. on Instagram. I can, I can do all this stuff, right? I can yes. watch, 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 watch. And that just gets me more like in the comparison, the I'm anxious, the, the are they doing it better than me? And so it's, I wonder if it's a combination of, of self-doubt and a combination of, of the fear of being forced to answer these bigger questions that really probably weren't on the pressing minds of a lot of the generation before because more focused on like getting a job having a stable income and those those things that seem like for me when i graduated i was like oh i can do that like that's boom no brainer what's the next i can get a job i can make money i'm smart i have an education what's the next level and that's terrifying i think to a lot of people again i don't want to speak for everyone but for me like I did it. I chose to be courageous and, and do it, but it's hard. As we talked about, this has not been easy, but now I'm so grateful that I did it. Um, yes. So there's, there's an attempt to answer to that question, at least from one, one perspective of, of a kid who really, and I, I guess I'll add in one more thing, cause I think this is super interesting, but again, me being a very tribal person and I value community. I wonder if, Humans are afraid to, to just live life alone. Loneliness is like an epidemic. I mean, it, it truly is. And I, I think that, Why do you I think, think that, that well, I actually kind of believe that it's because a lot of establishments for some good reasons, some bad reasons are like becoming not a thing anymore. So example, the church, like the church is the use of the church is declining. Um, the kind of old tradition family dynamics, I would say are probably in decline. Um, 
in just some traditional institutionalized things that had a lot of bad and good, like you can take both perspectives of it, but we're losing, how I just say is I feel like we're losing permanent community. We're losing, because uh, it's like, oh, I make friends in high school and then I leave. And oh, I make friends in college and then I leave. And people are like, it's like, oh, people come and go. That's just how life works. And then you sit down and think about that and you're like, that's sad. It's a part of it, I think, is sad. It's a personal opinion of mine. But, but the, the idea that humans were meant to, you know, kind of coexist and live together, it's like, you can choose to live on your own. You can choose to do things on your own. You can choose to, and over time, I think that the lack of rooting of, of that communal, like, we're here to support each other, and the lack of that understanding, you can still form it. But it's not a common, I think it's not as rooted in that anymore. So I feel like when you lose the obvious communities, which are like physical places that you go to, or the like, I'm a whatever, Buddhist, I'm a Christian, and so are all these people, so we have community, that the world starts to seem like a lonelier, a lonelier place. Yeah, because um, so many of those communities right specifically the institution that is religion um are so filled with ego and you know religion originally was the best mastermind out there church you think about going to church it's the best the framework of church if you think of it from an entrepreneur standpoint not a religious person standpoint it's right. fucking amazing yeah. number one it's a fucking mastermind it's a coming together of all those minds so if you got a hundred people at church you've got 101 minds right yeah. All those minds coming together for, for common good. So you go to a marketing entrepreneur retreat, you're all talking marketing, walking away with marketing. So you're at church, you're a mastermind of God, of holiness, of truth, of love, of light and peace, right? Every civilization has had song and dance, music as part of their culture. What do you do in church? You sing, you song. What about the tones that are playing? There's a lot of deep vibration tones, right? So it's getting everyone in that same energy. Then what do you do? You pick up the hymnal and you sing the same songs over and over and over again. Repetitive words, right? So let's strip those labels away. Let's bring together a group of people who have the same mindset. Let's play some music to put them in a trance. And then let's repeat words over and over and over again to reprogram the subconscious. That's the best fucking, dude, as a matter of fact, I might create a retreat just like that and call it church. I'll be there. <laughs> right? Yeah. So now, hey, the idea is you're a good Christian. You're a good loving person. The idea of church is phenomenal. If you took that framework and you added that to your morning routine, whatever it is you so desire and want to create, it's there. Now, ego has come into church, and now the most bloodshed we've had in the history of the world was based on religion. Yeah. Right. So now when you talk about community and tribal nature, we develop communities and tribes to be safe so that the big hairy caveman next door doesn't come steal our food, fire and woman, that the big saber tooth tiger doesn't get us. So now we've built this safety and now we have given some of our power away in return for that comfort. Just like we give some of our power away to the job or to whatever or the comfort that we receive. So I'm not saying tribes, I'm not saying community is bad, but what I'm saying is that we've disconnected from the sense of self. Mm. And we've given that power away to community, to institutions. And the reason that people don't like themselves 
is simply because generation after generation after generation, we've, 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 we've been taught to put our power externally. But most people, the reason they can't sit by themselves is because they haven't addressed the anxiety, the fear. They haven't addressed you know, the feelings of not enough, not being worthy. And when they're alone and they don't have the distractions, they're left with those, and AKA, they can't stand it, right? So my question to you would be, do you absolutely love yourself 100% without conditions? Without conditions. I would say yes. Okay. And I think that, that I love the counter argument you're bringing up here, which is not that community is bad in a sense, but it's also serves as another, another way to not look inward. So my first point of what are we afraid of, which is like, it's diving in, it's, it's doing all those things. And, uh, you know, I've started to notice in my life that, because again, yesterday I got, I got dinner with a friend yesterday and I was talking to her and I was just, we were talking about our lives and I was like, man, I get up every day and I'm kind of pumped. I'm pumped to, to do my thing. And, and I'm, it's a work in progress, but as much as possible, I'm not just distracting my mind. Like I, I, I I can now sit for hours on end and just be okay with just sitting with my thoughts, right? And that isn't something that I could have done before. And I, and I still have this deep-rooted value for community and connection. And it does drive me, but I think I understand more why it drives me. Um, and so, yeah, I think I would say I love myself a lot. I would say that I have a understanding of myself that I'm proud of at this age and that will continue to grow and that I'm proud of myself for accepting that challenge and staying committed to it I love it so I'm gonna sound like a complete old dude now um, <laughs> fucking amazing like I love that that you are where you are but you know it's also it's, it's not to take the spotlight off of you but it also is a product of the generation that you're in right so I believe that you know, Gen Z millennials are a very conscious generation. I believe boomers and Xers, we were chase, we chase shiny objects, right? And it's simply just the psychology of the generations because your generation saw a recession. Your generation saw, you know, parents that were making two, 300 grand a year and now working, you know, as a door breed at the Verizon store for 40 grand a year, right? Your generation saw you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollar trips to Disney World, then all of a sudden you're packing up and camping and eating hot dogs for the weekend for vacation because of the recession. And so your generation values collaboration, values teamwork, it values community more than my generation did. My generation is dog eat dog. I'm gonna step all over you and get mine, right? Hmm. And so just the consciousness as a whole for your generation is really, really elevated. For sure. You tapped into that man and like like you've got your energy in such a great place. When you tell me that you love yourself without conditions, I believe you. I don't believe most people because most people don't. Um, the one thing that I would say to you, if I, if you were asking for advice, yeah, go for um, it. Is keep doing what you're doing, but don't be afraid to have fun. Like legitimately, go have fun in life, right? Like because you're in a place where you can balance it. Like yeah. So the advice that I could tell you, man, is. You've already got all this other shit figured out. I don't need to tell you any of that. Literally, go live. Go have fun. Go fuck up. Don't be afraid to be a 22-year-old. Yeah. 
right? Seriously, because you will die. So live, right? Yeah. And if you happen to be lucky enough tomorrow morning to wake up, give your gratitude, send your love, send your prayers, do that motherfucker all over again. So there it was, my conversation with Dylan Ali back in January, and a lot of the stuff is still very relevant today. So I hope you enjoyed this. I felt like in my heart that this was something the world needed right now. And beyond that, I want to I wanna go back, because I want to touch on the three questions that Dylan asks himself every morning. One, who am I? Two, how do I choose to show myself to the world today? And three, how do I know my rules and beliefs are my own? I truly believe that if we all started asking ourselves those three questions, we could find a lot more truth in our life and a lot more healing and self-love, which would lead to that overflowing from within us and into the external world, which we all know needs a lot of love right now. So take those three questions, sit with them, write them down, think about them, and see if you can find a little bit of it yourself that you did not know that existed before you heard this conversation, before you started to ask yourself that question. So with all that being said, my people, go out there, make your dream life a reality, and I will see you next time.